Joining us for a conversation is David Cole of EMX Royalty, the royalty generator. Mr. Cole, thank you for joining us today, sir. Maurice, always a pleasure to talk to you, sir. Great to have you back on the show as EMX Royalty has just announced an agreement involving multi-billion market cap Franco Nevada. Before we begin, Mr. Cole, for someone new to EMX Royalty, please introduce us to the Royalty Generator. Well, I'd be happy to, Maurice, and I would think most of your listeners would be familiar with us, but I'm more than happy to go through from the beginning. First of all, royalties are phenomenal financial instruments because of their embedded what we call as optionality. So a royalty is a cut off the top of production. Uh, there could be a music royalty, uh, um, a prescription drug royalty. In this case, these are mining royalties and we're focused in the metal space. And so the commonly they're called net smelter returns and uh, they are the gross income coming into the counterparty, which is the miner. And we get a cut off the top and the way that those are created are through a couple of different mechanisms within the industry. One of those mechanisms would be the very simple old school way where a prospector would stake some mining claims, sell it to a company for it to be developed and keep a royalty. Um, that would be a royalty generation. Another way would be to purchase a royalty from that prospector. That would be royalty purchasing. And then another mechanism would be the mining company needs additional capital, which is quite common, to advance a deposit to further its production. And so they do a royalty financing. Franco Nevada, who you just mentioned, are quite active in the royalty financing business, but they have created royalties throughout all three mechanisms I just laid out. EMX specifically focuses on the royalty generation aspect of that, where we actually go out and acquire the mineral rights, add value, sell those mineral rights for a combination of cash and shares in junior companies, work commitments where the money is being spent in the ground, and always a production royalty at the end of the day. Uh, it's a great business model, and we've been executing it for 20 years, quite astutely, in my opinion, across the globe. To augment the portfolio that we grow organically, we also buy royalties. And there's some key royalties within the portfolio that we have purchased. Furthermore, um, we also make strategic investments where our smart uh, economic geologists working around the world occasionally see something that we that we need to invest in. And, and we've done very well with our strategic investments throughout our history. So 20 years of, of uh, executing this business model, the results speak for themselves. Now, you reference embedded optionality. Can you just slightly expand on that one more time for yeah. us? Yeah, and thanks for bringing that back up because that is a key point. The uh, The term optionality here is referring to the fact that things can happen. And in this case, this is free optionality. So things can happen that we're not paying for. So the royalty holder um, has an exposure to the, to a certain piece of real estate with a royalty on it. And if a big discovery has been made, that's to our advantage. We didn't pay for it. So that was an option that came in for us. And we love to be exposed to optionality. So there's lots of different aspects of optionality in our business. There would be the commodity price optionality, which everyone wants to be exposed to commodity prices, particularly metals in today's world. Well, Precious metals because of loose monetary policy overall and strategic metals and base metals because of their strong consumption and demand curves. And so we're all bullish on metal price over the long haul. So that's an optionality that you like to be exposed to because, of course, these are tied to the gross production. So it's the, the copper is sold, we get a cut. Gold is sold, we get a cut. The Another aspect, so I've just covered commodity price optionality, discovery optionality. There's some other key aspects of optionality, such as new mine engineering techniques, mm -hmm. new metallurgical techniques where they've learned how to get the metal out of the ores more cost effectively. 
and have invented new techniques to get metal out of ores that, that previously were not ores. They were just a geochemical anomaly, but now they figured out how to get the gold or the copper out. So all these aspects can come to play. And the interesting thing, Maurice, is that they can be multiplicative. So the price of gold can go up substantially. More gold is found. They figure out how to get the gold out of the ground better over time as the engineering advances. And then the metallurgists figure out how to put more of that in the bank. So um, uh, there are many cases where royalties started off as, as small instruments and ultimately, ultimately uh, uh, paid out huge quantities of money. Well, this embedded optionality basically makes your gross, your net, because these are expenses that you're not incurring. It's a perfect, perfect, I should say, business model. And EMX, in my opinion, is, again, the perfect blend of business and geological acumen here. Now, let's get into this week's Thank press you. release. Oh, it's, 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 it's well-deserved, sir. Let's get into this week's press release as EMX Royalty and Franco Nevada have announced an acquisition agreement for new royalties. Sir, walk us through some of the highlights of the transaction. So the highlights of the transaction would start with a long-term relationship that I've had with Franco Nevada and their founders over time. They've always been quite friendly and supportive of our business here. David Harkwell one time said to me before they became shareholders, um, he, we brushed shoulders at a Denver Gold event. He says, David, I want you to know that we think the combination of royalty generation and royalty purchasing is particularly powerful. Good job. And then he walked on. Uh, but it's great <laughs> to hear something like that from an icon such as David Harkwell and have spent some wonderful time with Pierre Lassonde in the field in Turkey and elsewhere back when we both were at Newmont Mining Corporation. They've always been very supportive of us. Uh, but it did take a number of years before they decided to become shareholders. They now own 6.1% of EMX on a fully diluted basis, thanks to a modest financing that they did into the company. And I believe that that it was the beginning of an ongoing relationship that's quite synergistic with them. And some people say to us, well, why would Franco want to be a shareholder in EMX? And I believe that Paul Brink, the current CEO of Franco Nevada, has answered that question quite distinctly and has told me that I can answer it in the same manner. And that is that they appreciate the royalty generation business, albeit they do not do it themselves. Furthermore, they understand that we see a type of deal flow that they do not. They're focused on huge, you know, $100 million, multi-hundred million dollar royalty financing deals. We're out there at the beginning stages in the mineral belts of the world, sussing out opportunities. So they like to be exposed to those. And this is another mechanism whereby they can take advantage of that um, by splitting these royalty purchases with us. And the general hypothesis behind this investment and, their, uh, and, and behind this deal is that the capital markets are not in great shape right now for junior exploration companies. Junior exploration companies in many cases have developed some very interesting concepts and um, are on bended knee, need to raise money. And, and so it's quite simple. The explore codes need money. We like royalties. <laughs> Couldn't have it better than that. Now, just to be specific here, what is going to be your strategy on this deal? Our strategy is to find the most prospective mineral rights that we can and with good operators, good explorers, and, and help them advance their property by funding them in exchange for a small uh, royalty. And we will split that royalty with Franco Nevada. Now, with exploration capital so hard to come by, it looks like this is going to be Again, the ideal time to conduct a little bit of, I would say, bottom fishing here. Any specific commodities that you're going to be targeting? We always love copper and gold. Nothing wrong with nickel. We love the whole metal space, honestly. I know that Franco is um, more focused on gold. We, we, we like the diversification, quite honestly. 
Now, uh, I'm looking at Franco Nevada. They are very, uh, I should say, uh, specific on when they do deals with companies. And for them to select EMX Royalty as a, in their, for this is basically the second major investment in your company. This says something specifically about your team and your team's management. And I, I just have to applaud your team because I can't say this. I can't give this compliment to another company. This is germane to EMX Royalty, sir. Well, that's just more uh, weight on my shoulders to make sure that we execute properly, Maurice. I appreciate that, uh, but uh, we can't uh, rest on our past laurels. We need to continue doing the uh, solid work that we've done in the past on a go-forward basis. Now, switching gears, I have a map before me of EMX Project Portfolio, which is the most expansive royalty portfolio in the world. Can you walk us through your property bank and get us up to date on the remainder of the property bank and where we should be paying attention to? We do have nearly 5 million acres of mineral rights. Um, that would include 150 some odd or more royalties around the world in, in a dozen or more countries. Um, six of those are in production status and drive the cash flow that's coming into EMX, which has increased, it, increased substantially over the course of the last few years. Uh, it's great to see that event happen after having focused on the building of this portfolio for so many years. The, the key ones within the portfolio to focus on from a cash flow perspective would be Casarones, the copper molybdenum porphyry mine that recently, 51% uh, of which was bought by Lundin Mining Corporation. We're delighted to see Lundin in there as an operator. The previous operator was doing a good job. We believe Lundin might do an even better job and will probably be more, ex um, um, more aggressive with respect to exploration and development and advancing new resources on that property. But it's a, likely a multi-decade mine life situation there and we love to be exposed to copper and molybdenum um, over decades into the future talk about optionality that's a great example and then the key one in serbia where we're still in negotiations with the counterparty to settle a dispute with respect to that royalty uh, that's a key asset within the portfolio the market is anxiously awaiting that resolution so that's something to watch out for and uh, will be a catalyst uh, uh, one way or another for emx uh, then the Leville mine in Nevada operated by Nevada Gold Mines, which is a joint venture between Newmont and Barrick, and Barrick is the operator. Uh, they continue to announce further resource uh, discovery and development within and near to the footprint of our royalty there, and that royalty is paying two plus million dollars per year. Looking backwards, we like, uh, I, would, I would like to think that will continue for many years into the future. Great to be exposed to that uh, deposit. So that's just a few um, focusing on some of the cash flowers, but Maurice, we can all do financial engineering and understand what a cash flow and royalty is worth and be valued based upon that. But the real reason why you want to be exposed to royalties is this aspect of optionality. Commodity price optionality, of course, is one that everybody talks about. But the but the real value driver can be discovery optionality. And there's multiple places where discoveries are being made on our portfolio thanks to the uh, um, the depth of the portfolio. So keep in mind, we have 100 kilometers of drilling being conducted by our counterparties at no cost to EMX annually, 100 kilometers of drilling annually paid for by our partners around the world. And that is resulting in nice hits coming in from a number of different early stage to more advanced stage assets, creating that discovery optionality. I'll point out that South 32, our counterparty and multi-billion dollar company in Arizona on the, on the uh, park, excuse me, on the on the um, 
a Taylor deposit, and we own the extension of the Taylor deposit on a project that they call the Peak Discovery. They just announced a phenomenal drill hole, 347 meter percent copper equivalent on our property. That was just oh, announced a few days ago. That's nice. And uh, <laughs> it's just a fantastic example of discovery optionality within our portfolio that comes at no cost to us. Another example would be the one that, that I just mentioned, Park Sailor. Uh, we own a nice piece of that. There was a stage gate payment paid to us of three million bucks. Uh, we got a royalty on a portion of that system. That's another nice feather in our cap. The Viscaria deposit in Sweden is advancing towards production. That's another example. I could go on and on. Diablos, located in northern Argentina, is a good example of continued discovery within the portfolio as well. Can we go back to the TMOC here briefly? I just want to find out, is it too optimistic to think that there may be a resolution before the end of this year? So we have actually put that in writing. Um, and I would be very cautious about saying anything more about mm -hmm. it. But what we have said in our quarterly report and in our last annual report, that the negotiations with Xinjiang have gone smoothly. We found them to be honorable and, and reputable. And uh, we do expect a win-win um, deal to be consummated. And we did put in writing, we expect that in 23. I believe that's entirely accurate. Great. Uh, I know there's a number of catalysts on the horizon, but I know everyone is targeting <laughs> that one right there. Now, yeah. be before we close, I've had a number of shareholders inquire if EMX will issue dividends on the stock. Any updates for us? Yeah. So I think it's likely that we'll initiate a dividend. Um, we, we believe and our large shareholders have communicated to us that we are c completely capable of redeploying capital within the space astutely. And what our shareholders want and what we believe is the right thing to do for our shareholders is to continue to grow the asset base and, and have more royalty exposure. So I do not expect a large payout ratio. So we don't want to become just a, a limited partnership uh, type model where the bulk of the cash flow is being paid out as dividends. We want to reinvest those dividends or that cash flow, I should say, um, into, into the business. But I do foresee us laying on a small quarterly dividend that would hopefully be increased incrementally annually thereafter. Uh, I would like to see that done perhaps later this year, if not in 24. And uh, that will check the dividend box because there are a number of funds and individuals that would like to see that dividend. Mr. Cole, last question. What did I forget to ask? Well, you're always quite thorough, uh, Maurice. And, <laughs> Thank you. And, you know, you, you alluded to the team. It's always good to uh, point out that this is all possible. And the way we've been able to build this portfolio over 20 years is thanks to some very astute people working diligently and safely around the world in, in a dozen or more countries. And it's always good to highlight their contribution. And just for the record, ladies and gentlemen, I am a fervent believer in EMX royalty. I've been a shareholder now since 2017. I'm always adding to my position. I will be adding to my position after uh, this interview. And uh, I also believe that this stock has the potential to melt up. I stand by that. I stand by this team. I, and I also, I don't believe I've ever sold a share. And I'll take it one step further. All three of my sons are active and proud shareholders, and they have never sold a share. So, Mr. Cole, it's been a pleasure speaking with you. Wishing you and EMX Royalty the absolute best, sir. Bruce Jackson, thank you for your time. The information presented on Proven and Probable 
is provided for educational and informational purposes only, without any express or implied warranty of any kind, including warranties of accuracy, completeness, or fitness for any particular purpose. The information is not intended to be and does not constitute financial, investment, or trading advice, or any other advice. You should not make any financial, investment, or trading decision based on any of the information presented without first undertaking independent due diligence and consultation with a professional broker or competent financial advisor.